Teacher, what star is that? want to know how come i gotta get and i'm looking out the window like malcolm ready to bring that noise kind of trigger happy like the ghetto boys <laughs> come on now you forgot ice cubes wicked you better go listen to that that song is one of my favorite songs from the rapper they call ice cube and that video looks like you're watching cnn right now you know what i'm saying only with a different beat folks is out in the street it's looking a little wild what's happening next Thank you for listening to FarsideTV.com. You are locked in to Side Life Radio. And as always, I am your host, Adisa the Bishop, a.k.a. the Black Dragon of the West Side, a.k.a. Zato Ichi, a.k.a. the South Bay Shogun. That is what they call him. A.k.a. the Iron Hook Assassin, my preferred moniker, and a.k.a. The Black Cortez Killer. You know I loves to wear him. Ain't nobody truly than me, homeboys and girls. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast dedicated to giving you West Coast perspectives on hip-hop, health, and fitness trends. Because ain't nobody out there lacing your cranium with this here vibranium, baby, like a decent bishop. So you can be down now or you can bow down later because the West Coast OGs. Oh, we stay greater. <laughs> you know we do. If this is your first time listening, understand that this podcast may not be the best thing. But hey, about a show enough is the West thing. About a show enough is the West thing. About a show enough, show enough, show enough, show enough, show enough is the West thing. Yeah, Give it up for my band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all are amazing. Please do me a favor and follow your boy. On Instagram at Bishop Chronicles, and do not forget to subscribe on a iTunes, a Spotify, a Mixcloud, and most importantly, a YouTube. So the reason is because in the next two shows from now, it's all going to be video. I mean, you can still get the audio. So do you know if you got your subscription, stay on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but know that like YouTube videos are the the you know you know what I'm saying. Uh, Apparently, that's the future, and I'm late, <laughs> you know? Also, as you know, we really like it when you share our shows, and the numbers are starting to grow. And normally, we've been asking you to send it to one person, just one person per episode that you think is going to enjoy it. And now we're trying to double up and ask you for two. Can you send it for two people? Can I get two? Two going once, two going quiet, two... Two, three times for two. All right. I need you to please send it to people that you actually respect and that respect you, that you believe will listen and say, hey, give this a listen. This show is dope, man. Looking for a little something, you know what I'm saying, uh, in the way of a pass on. You heard me? And don't forget, uh, if you can, take a screenshot of your car radio. Take a screenshot of, you know your 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 player uh in your phone and just repost on ig and tag me please you know what i'm saying that's always dope i appreciate everybody who gives love like that anna but you know at the end of the day we all appreciate the bcp army 
And now we get on to the heartbeat props. The heartbeat props are where we give props to people while they're alive. You know what I'm saying? Because it's important. What I want you to do is think of three people that mean something to you. Call them each. Do not text them. Call them each and speak to them for five minutes at least, at least five, and just tell them why you appreciate them, right? A lot of times we say we got love for people or we tell people that we love them, but we don't tell them why. You know what I'm saying? Let's be more specific and intentional in in, in the positivity that we share. So my heartbeat props right now is going to Nada, N-A-H-H-D-A-H-H, at Nada. N-A-H-H-D-A-H-H. He just put out a new dope track called Blue Ribbon. You know what I'm saying? You need to go check it out on iTunes and Spotify and all of that. He's uh, an artist out of Oakland, California. But I'm going to tell you right now, like, I've known this dude for a really long time. You know, I met him at Youth Uprising back in the day, and we've been cool ever since. And Nada, I want to say that you inspire me, not just because you make amazing music, for real, for real, but, but like your perseverance and your kindness. You know what I'm saying? It's always stood out to me. So salute. Now I want to give another one to at Abraham Marte, M-A-R-T-E. Um, Abraham Marte is uh, an amazing jiu-jitsu practitioner and player and he's the guy that really introduced me to stoicism like two years ago um and i just want to say abraham that i appreciate you you know what i mean not just for your jujitsu technique but you know pointing me in the direction of stoicism has uh, helped me a lot uh through the course of my life since since uh you made that suggestion and so i just wanted to shout you out and and you know say stay blessed and strong and uh once covid's over you come out here i'll go out there somebody gonna go somewhere and we'll kick it proper Last but not least at all is Various Blends, at Various Blends Official. Various Blends is one of the dopest groups in the Bay. Uh, back in the day, it consisted of Ross Q, Rasco, and Frizz B. And, uh, you know, they was like, try, bro, they was doing it. If you get down with that jazzy boom bap, then you need to get down with them. And right now, my man Ross Q got a release called, uh, you know, he's... Uh, been dealing with kidney issues for a long time and he's been such a great soldier and enduring you know what i'm saying that's why i wanted to add him to the heartbeat props to remind him you know that even though i haven't seen him in a while that you know i got love for him that i appreciate his perseverance that i appreciate um you know what he's contributed to hip-hop not only as a rapper but as a dj um, and he's got a new project um, called Got Kidney. Like, remember, Got Milk? GotKidney.bandcamp.com. Go listen to that. Cop that. Support that. It's dope. All right? GotKidney.bandcamp.com. My boy makes dopeness. And now it is time for the West Coast Word of the Week. Powered by Mshaka Media, delivering world-class creative and editorial services to entrepreneurs, influencers, and those who seek to maximize their message. Message Tembisa Mshaka directly, okay, at M, the letter M, Shaka Media on IG, or you can go to Facebook and it's just M Shaka Media, okay? Um, she is a fantastic person who's been around in the hip-hop space, since way back, hosting some of the first and greatest symposiums that dealt with hip-hop and the culture and the business, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Chuck D called her book, that's called, uh, you know, 
put your dreams first, handle your entertainment business. Chuck D from Public Enemy called it the definitive entertainment industry Bible. I want you to think about that. And now let's get to the West Side Word of the Week. What is it? Well, thank you for asking. It is Ghost Ride. Ghost Ride. What does it mean to Ghost Ride? Well, the original Ghost Riders, at least out here on the West Coast, were people on bikes, BMX bikes, right? Where you might ride your bike and then like try to hop off of it <laughs> or 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 you would run with it and then push it and it would go by itself and then crash and that was called ghost riding well once the car thing stepped up in the hyphy movement people would you know they would do the side shows where, where cats be like driving in circles and doing all kind of tricks and whatever you know what i'm saying um they would cruise their car super slow, get out and kind of walk next to it like, hey, hey, it's party style, hey, right? But they're not driving. That's called ghost riding the whip. Made famous by a E-40. And that is your West Coast Word of the Week. From there, we pivot directly into the haiku. A haiku is a Japanese poem of three lines. The first line is five syllables. The second line is seven, and the third syllable is five. That's a five, a seven, and a five. And what you do is you write a poem based on that. It does not have to rhyme, although most of mine do, and this one uh, does not. I hate to heartbreak you. Most of mine do, but this one doesn't. So here we go. This particular haiku, before I do it, is actually uh, one that I wrote after taking a walk in the mountains with my homeboy Carter. What up, Carter? Um, you know, I've been sick for actually like the last three weeks. And I and I, I just came off of being sick. And Carter was like, yo, what's up? How are you? I was like, man, let's go for a walk, dude. Let's take in some nature. So um, this is a haiku. And I have a whole book of them coming up in my book entitled... A Dead Man's Diary. Not really sure when it's coming out. It's almost done, though. It's really almost done. Uh, but I have a whole bunch of haikus that are themed. This one is themed um, really for nature, like uh, dedicating it to nature. And like, you know, it was a very spiritual experience to really take in the the, the fresh air, to smell the eucalyptus and the pine, to smell the licorice along the road. Uh, to see the ocean and the mountains and the clouds. It was, it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. I felt very connected, very connected, authentically. And uh, so, Mike, I'm going to ask for a flute because you know I love me some flutes. But I need, like, you know those Sufi flutes? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like downtown Egypt at, like, 2 in the morning. And there's like a, an old lady selling pastries and uh, tea, right? That's the vibe. That's where we're at, downtown Egypt. Here we go. Clouds play on the coast. The fragrance of divine love. Birds sing songs of praise. Oh, oh, yeah, boy. I bring that esoteric, not generic. You heard me? One more time from the top. Ivrit, Ivrit. 
Clouds play on the coast. The fragrance of divine love. Birds sing songs of praise. Haiku, player. <laughs> so the main topic I want to jump into is I've seen a lot of stuff bubbling up on Instagram around the 4th of July. There's kind of uh, some people are going out to barbecue in celebration of and some people are going out to barbecue and demonstrate in protest of. And I think that I respect everybody's right to do whatever they want to do. I will tell you this, however. Look at these COVID spikes. They're real and they're across the country. And the last time that I saw a bunch of folks online at Juneteenth in Oakland, I didn't do no study. But from what I observed, it really looked like every 100th person had a mask on. And I was like, how is that possible? What? Why aren't people wearing masks? And I really looked at the at the demographic because, you know, come on, man, you're talking to the uh, the black dragon of the West, man. I stay tucked, man. I'm a hermit. I don't go out. But most of the people that was out and about, they were young Right. And I know what it is because this girl, she going out. Right. She just did all her makeup. She just got her lipstick. Right. She ain't finna try to put on no mask. She been cooped up. Right. And then, you know, they got the dudes, you know what I'm saying? They trying to be out and about, you know what I'm saying? The extra tight T-shirts and the tank tops. Right. Trying to let them see you got some some guns. You know what I'm saying? Been working out at the house. Right. Listen, wear your mask. I don't care how you did your makeup and I don't care how long you've been working out. Wear your mask. Stop trying to be cute out here. So I saw something, I think it was the Daily Stoic and it was talking about the Spartan shield. Now, back in the day, the Spartans, the deal was if you were a Spartan man and you fought, right, you could not drop your shield and be a citizen. If you dropped your shield, you were no longer a citizen. Right. And the thing that I saw in the Daily Stoic basically said, like, why was that? Because like your helmet and your sword are for you. Right. But your shield protects the whole team. That's why you don't drop it. Because it's not about you and what you feel. Right. It's about the team. When you wear your mask, they were saying the mask isn't for you. It's for somebody else who lives with. A grandma, right, that has an immune system that can't deal with the COVID, right? It's for somebody's husband who is getting chemotherapy right now and they can't have any other infections. You wear the mask for that. None of y'all talk to me about being woke. Don't none of y'all talk to me about being real and don't be masked up. Because every time you don't wear a mask and you run around in public, you're telling the public that you don't care. Please Take it upon yourself to make sure that you mask up. If you don't have access to masks, you better get online and figure it out. You better get a handkerchief and tie it up and wash that handkerchief as often as possible, right? So that you've got the proper filtration popping. This is a long-term situation. We're not going to be through it overnight. And you need to be bringing your best. So again, you could... Take whatever side you want on the 4th of July, but wear a mask. 
Finally, uh, as a health tip, I am going to remind all of you of the importance of meditating. I've been speaking to a lot of my homies who are not sleeping well. I've been sleeping, uh, sleeping. I've been talking to some of my uh, other homeboys who are just fatigued beyond measure. And I want to remind you all to take some time to learn how to meditate. They have apps for this. They have... uh, online things on YouTube you can learn. I do transcendental meditation and I also do another thing called zikr Allah, which is another form of Islamic meditation. And, you know, I believe that meditation is important, especially during COVID because it's so hard for us to um, feel whole, feel human and feel like we're in touch with ourselves. And I really believe that as bad as COVID is, and it is no joke, and it is nothing to celebrate or think is cool, One of the things it's doing for those that are lucky enough to be alive is it gives us the time, which we normally wouldn't have because of work or school and our regular obligations, to get in tune and in touch with ourselves. So please look up uh, a Transcendental Meditation school near you or look up Transcendental Meditation techniques online. Look up Mindfulness Meditation online um, and find different ways that you can meditate because... Um, I've really, I I mean, you've listened to the Camp Tazo, uh, episodes, um, and I've talked to you about, you know, how I was out there with Riza and Xi'an Ming. And I gotta say, you know, I've been, I've been meditating for many years before I went to Camp Tazo, but there was something about Camp Tazo that really got me re in tune with my meditation practice and my life and my personal sense of joy and my presence has, has never been higher than right now has never been higher than right now, despite COVID. And I want that for you. And it's the only reason I'm telling you to consider uh, a consistent meditation practice. And you don't have to do it all day, like 20 minutes a day, two 10-minute sessions, okay? You can do it and it will it will build rewards. And if you don't believe me, Google benefits of meditation. You will get your mind blown. And now it is time for uh, our interview section. The interview is powerful, man. Like, you know, I mean, you've seen some of the stuff recently. I've talked about the police. I've talked about white supremacy. I've talked about George Floyd. But you know what? Um, This show, if it is to be anything, is meant for personal enrichment. And everything that I share with you, I share with you because I care about you. Not from a weirdo way, but from a place where I want America and the world to be better. I want people to be well connected. I want people to see their own humanity through listening to this show, through reading my books, through uh, uh, exercise and jujitsu and playing chess and things like that. But the reason, why do I want you to find your own humanity? Because... If you find your own humanity, it's very hard for you to deny it in another human being. That's why. When you find your own humanity, it's very hard for you to deny it in another human being. And that's what happens a lot in the world. That's what you see a lot. When you see these polarized political parties, when you see these polarized social positions, you see people who are so embedded in the dogma of whatever they believe that at a certain point it stops their ability to see the humanity of, again, the quote-unquote other. And so, you know, it is, it, is, it is from that place that I just want to say that, you know, when I bring people to you on this show, I don't bring you average anybody's. Everybody's great on this show. 
everybody who I bring has extreme wisdom, has, has an insight that I think can help you. Otherwise, I wouldn't have them on the show. I've been sitting on this interview since Ramadan with Faridun, an old friend of mine who has a lot of knowledge about uh, Islamic wisdom. And I'm not talking about the Islam that you see on the news when they're talking about terrorism. And I'm not talking about the Islam that uh, a lot of phony politicians and divisive spiritual leaders will try to parade around. I'm talking about the real Islamic wisdom that comes from the Moorish Empire, from the Turkish Empire, from the highest scholars, from the best doctors and philosophers. And so this guy, Feridun, he's so amazing. I've known him for so long. I've known him for so long, I'm not even sure when exactly we met, but he runs Rumi Bookstore. R-U-M-I. Rumi Bookstore is a famous bookstore here in the Bay Area. It's in Fremont. And um, as I came into Stoicism, I found so many things that I was coming across in Stoicism that I felt were aligned with my faith already. And so I started looking again at the works of Al-Ghazali. Look into him for real. Uh, Amazing. Just put in Al-Ghazali quotes. Mind blown. Look into Attar. A-T-T-A-R. Quotes and poems. Look up the Conference of the Birds. Read the story, The Conference of the Birds. That story changed my life. And my understanding of life. Look up Rumi. Quotes. Beautiful. Beautiful quote. Especially if you want to see some beautiful stuff on Rumi, go on to Instagram and just put in Rumi quotes. Man, look at the pages. Just beautiful stuff. Okay. So, I reached out to Faridun and I said, hey, I would love to talk to you about correlations between Stoicism and Islam. And I want to talk to you about poetry and hip hop. And look, hip hop, man, listen. While a lot of people um, in the Muslim community have frowned on hip hop, Faridun has always had a high respect for hip hop. There were people that said that it wasn't poetry. There were people that said that it wasn't good, that it was crude, that it was, look, hip hop has some unflattering aspects to it at times, but those are just reflections of society, right? If you want to talk about some of the best lyricism in the history of hip hop, it always comes from people like Rakim. It always comes from people like Poor Righteous Teachers. It always comes from so many others um, through the course of the game, J Electronica. Hmm? Brother Ali. Huh? All right? So what I'm trying to tell you is that Faridun understands hip-hop in a way that most of the people um, and the teachers in the Islamic uh, modern society, they just don't know it well. This is a guy who bought tapes from Hammer in parking lots, who bought stuff from Short knows lyrics and you know it's very weird to come across someone who can quote a too short lyric of value and then quote Atar and then quote Rumi right I mean this is man this is a great fun conversation about getting in tune with yourself through poetry and philosophy all right 
So here I am with Fair Idun. Um, oh, before then, a quick poem by my man, Jason Douglas Dix, bringing another fantastic poem just to kind of cleanse your mental palate real quick. And then you're going to hear me and Fair Idun, Rumi Bookstore, at Rumi Bookstore. Please uh, go get on that. At, again, Rumi Bookstore on IG. And Farai Dune's direct account is F-E-R-A-I-D-O-O-N. Farai Dune 786. At Farai Dune 786. This guy does tours of spiritual sites. He gives amazing talks online. And I think he is one of truly one of the most underutilized resources in understanding authentic Islamic spirituality. I'm not talking propaganda. I'm not talking uh, 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 hard dogma. I'm talking about open mind and heart stuff. This is your guy. This is my guy. This is Bishop Chronicles, Farside TV, Sidelife Radio, West Coast. Jason, talked to him one time, and then... Here comes the interview. Semantics, a poem by Jason Douglas Dix. Protests are easily finessed into actions that do not serve the best interests of the oppressed. But demonstrations are creations that pour copious libations of remonstrations in search of reparations. And to protest is to emote, to let forth from deep in the throat vital energy that may not promote that which is needed, to vote. You protest against, but demonstrate for. The former comes to an end, but the latter yields far more. Demonstrations help more people see, with clarity and compassion, the true you and me. And with such vision, we may yet grow to be a society that is truly reliably free. So be careful with your words, ego, and actions, and incline away from knee-jerk reactions. For semantics are key, and it's not too late to stop the protest and start to demonstrate. Peace to the planet. You know what it is. Adisa the Bishop chilling. And I told you, okay, you know, all, all the real Bishop Chronicles podcast people know I always bring the realists. I, I I have a guy who 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 has been like, like, <laughs> one of my best mentors, guides, coaches, right? And um, he he's he's uh, he amazes me so much. He 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 owns a bookstore. You gotta love any man that owns a bookstore. You gotta you gotta love any guy who who owns a bookstore. Okay, um. Fridun, welcome to Bishop Chronicles podcast. Um, how are you today? How you doing? I'm doing well, my brother. It's a pleasure and honor being with you. Uh, uh, you, uh, you always inspire me and inspire uh, the community. And uh, just seeing your smile is always it's uh, it brightens my day. So uh, although I don't see you on the phone, but I can I can uh, vision yeah. your smile, my brother. <laughs> well, I'm definitely smiling. I'm yeah. definitely smiling. So 
before we start, and and you know, in the intro that I do, I introduce you super thorough. But no introduction that I give will will accommodate the scope of what you really do. You are the owner of Rumi Bookstore. You are um, a scholar in Islam. You are a scholar of poetry. But w- w- like, will you please tell our audience who you are and what you do? No, I appreciate that. You're, you're too kind. Um, first of all, uh, me and Adisa, we go back to the days, like they say, uh, in our town. Yes. Uh, we know each other for, I, I don't want to say how long because we will age ourselves. So we'll save that, you know. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, I uh, I migrated from Afghanistan in 1985 to the, to the Bay Area. Uh, after the the Russian invasion of Afghanistan and the uh, the war, uh, we ended up here in Fremont. Uh, somehow, destiny brought us here, and um, went to American High School in Fremont, and then uh, Chabot College in Hayward, and San Francisco State in uh, uh, University. And then uh, when I finished, I kind of my passion has always been poetry since I was a child. As a matter of fact, my father named me after one of his contemporary favorite poets, Feridun Mashiri. He was an Iranian poet. So, you know, uh, one of the great uh, Muslim scholars said, uh, be careful what kind of name you give to your children because it's going to have an effect on them. The name is going to have an effect on them. So give mm. them good names, you know. Uh, that's, that's why in Islam, one of the rights of a child, of a parent, is to be given a good name. Uh, that's a right of mm. the before he or she is born. And that's why you can name a child before they're born, right? Even in the womb of the mother, you can choose a name by Islamic law. Yes. Uh, because I is, did that. Yeah. I did that with all of my kids. That's awesome. Deep. Yeah, no, no. You have the, and, and because that's their right, you want to fulfill that even before they come in uh, as a father, right? So, uh, but anyways, the name they say have an, has an effect on you. I, I love poetry since I was a little kid. Um, I used to memorize poetry when I was like, you know, four or five years old and, and uh, poetry of Rumi and a lot of the, you know, the great Persian poets. Uh, in America now, majority of the people are familiar with Rumi and his works. Uh, obviously, Rumi is one of the greatest Persian poets, but we have others like Saadi Shirazi, Hafiz Shirazi, Attar, uh, who wrote The Conference of the Birds, many mm-hmm, others that are mm-hmm. amazing poets that are, these are not just poets, they're known for their poetry in the West, but they were philosophers, they were thinkers, they were mathematicians, they were scholars, they were Gnostics. You know, they had all those aspects, you know, it, they were like what we call in our tradition, insan al-kamil. The perfected human being, those uh, those mm. those human being that that have went through the cycle of life and and went through the ups and down, you know, the the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And they came out. It's like the steel that goes into the fire and comes out as a sword, right? They've been through mm-hmm. that and they turned themselves into a sword. Obviously, with the help of their teachers, the help of their community, the help of their parents, their societies, and all of that stuff is part of life. But the essence is the steel. How do we turn steel into the sword, right? Uh, so, but you have to be able to bear the pain of the fire, my friend. You know, that's the secret, right? Uh, mm. So, anyways, I uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, here, I started a bookstore about you know, over two decades ago in Fremont. Um, we have a couple of locations now. Obviously, we are closed because we are non-essential during the coronavirus. So, 
Right. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, just uh, been a student of, 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 of knowledge. Uh, I love learning. Um, you know, not a scholar by any rights, but the student. I mean, the, here's the beauty of, of the religion is that in reality, we're all students. You know, I always learn from you when I talk right. to you on the phone. And then you tell me you learn Likewise. something from me. And, and that's the beauty Likewise. of it. Yeah, we learn from each other because this is, this is how it is. Uh, this is how life is. Nobody can master any science. Uh, then there's, you, you know, one thing, the other person knows more about something else. So we benefit from each other. So I've been here in the Bay, grew up in the Bay, uh, you know, went through uh, the era of, of the rap music evolution in the Bay, you know. Yeah. And, and you, you know how it is, started with, you know, back in the days with, you know, when there was no, you know, for me, rap music is, is it, it was a voice for the voiceless. It was... It was Absolutely. something that people, you know, you know, Freud said, he said that the more oppression in a society, the more jokes in a society. He said, because people Ooh. can. Yeah, what? what? Wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Yeah, I need yeah. you to repeat that yeah, for the people who didn't yeah, hear it in the back. Yeah. Somebody in the back said they didn't hear you, man. Say yeah. that one more time, please. <laughs> yeah. Freud said the more oppression in the society, the more jokes in a society. Because certainly people Ooh. are afraid to speak the truth, but they will say it in a joking manner. Right. And, yes. and, and, and if you look at the societies now around the world, not just here, I'm talking about worldwide phenomena, just jokes are everywhere. Why? Because there's so much oppression, not just from the government. There's so much pain. It's not just the government. We can all blame the government. That's, you know, and most people have the rights to do that. But the oppression of parents, the oppression of wives, the oppression of husband, the oppression of children, the oppression of grandpa, the oppression of the boss, the, 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 the employees, the of neighbors, teachers. teachers, the police, the civilians of everyone. I mean, we are a, a species of oppression now. Like we, the moment we get some power, we want to overpower the one who has less power than us. This is, this is becoming mm. the sickness of the, because we have, we have abandoned our human Adamic nature, and we have taken on the animal nature of ourselves, right? The animal nature, because human being is a combination of angel and animals. So we have angelic right. soul in us, but we have the animal body, right? That, that, that we have desires like animals, that we eat like animals do. Right. We have, you know, sexual appetite like animals. Do. So those are the animal part of us. And this is why the Quran is very clear that human being is the best of God's creation, but it could be worse than the animal. If we go with the angelic reality of ourselves, then we are better than anything in God's creation. But if we... Submit, and if we fulfill the desire of the lower self, what we call in Islamic tradition, the nafs, the ego, the desires, right. then we become like the animals. But the Quran says, no, no, they are even worse than animals because animals were created to do that. Human beings were not created right. to do that. Right? We were created to be the beacon of light. We were created to be compassionate people. We are the we are the uh, uh, the Khalifa on earth. We are the caretaker of the earth, not just of the human mm. being. We are the caretaker of the animals, of the trees, of the plants, of uh, you know these environment that you know the the, the ozone layers and and the climate change. We are supposed to be taking care of these things, not destroying them because we want to have right. nice little stuff in our home, you know, uh, right. made from uh, the trees in Amazon. We have to, mm -hmm. you know, chop them down. So we are supposed to be caretakers. And, and, but that's the, that's our reality. But anyways, my, my journey is, man, I think we, me and you, we have similar journeys. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and, and the journey has been a journey of just being around 
righteous people trying to find uh, great teachers and benefit from them and listen and, and learn. And that's been my journey. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, you know, that, first of all, it's so deep, man, because it's funny because every time we hang out, every time we talk, I'm always kind of like, you know, like, because I don't see you as often as I'd like to, I get the flashback and then I get the 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 the, the amazingness of of what's happening in the present moment, you know, and uh, I appreciate you immensely. One of the things that you do that I need to do, that I want to do, um, that I intend to do as soon as this coronavirus thing is over is go with you on one of your tours. Now, I think you've given tours in Turkey, in Spain, in 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 Mecca and Medina. Can you talk about some of the tours that you've given and, and what are you teaching on those tours? What are you sharing? Yeah, so we do like two, uh, about two programs a year. We go to Mecca and Medina for the pilgrimage, obviously, uh, for the lesser pilgrimage, which is called the Umrah, which you can go any time of the year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Hajj, the real pilgrimage, is at the specific time of the year. Uh, so we do the Umrah, which is much easier, and it's it's you know to get people uh, acquainted with uh, with uh, their history of what it all you know what it all began. You know, you go to Medina. You, if you don't know where everything began, you go to Mecca and Medina. That's where that's where Islam started, right? And you would see right. those places. See, the thing is is that you can't if if you have never had honey, how am I going to explain to you the taste of honey? It's impossible. Mm. Say, oh, it's sweet, man. You would say sweet like sugar? No. It's sweet, sweet like a cookie? No. Everything has a taste, right? In life, everything has a taste. Relationship, relationship have taste, right? That's why some relationship, with man, mm. yeah, that person left a you know a bitter taste in my mouth. How how does it, mm. how does a person leave a bitter taste in your mouth? You didn't eat anything, right? It was a relationship. Right. But, but because it was toxic, right? Toxic relationship. And that's what it does. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So everything in right. life has a taste. And this is why the Quran says that you, every soul shall taste death. In other words, even death has mm. a taste. And the taste of death is based on how you cook the pot of your life. You make the ingredient, you cook it, you put it together, and you will taste it when you depart this world. Either it's sweet or it's bitter. You, it's your, it's wow. your ingredient. It's nobody else's. You make that pot. And that's why when some people die with a smile on their face. Because they're eating the sweet, my friend, you know? They're eating the I sweet I hope to pot. be one of those. We all hope to be one of those. This is the, this is the, this is the hope for all of us, inshallah. But... If you want to know your history of your of, of Islam, if you, where it came from, how it all started, you have to go to the places because right. uh, we live in a, a we live in time and place. This is what we are. God is outside time and place. We are stuck in time and place. It's like the uh, uh, the Avenger movie when they go to Quantum Realm and they're stuck there, right? right? So we are stuck right. in in time and place. We can't. I can't go to tomorrow right now. Is I can't. I can't go to yesterday. Right. I can, You're I, right here. I can only be here right now. I have to wait for tomorrow. God doesn't have to wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow, yesterday, next year, now, all of them are present with God, right? Because he's a creator of time and space. He's not in time and space. He doesn't have to wait like us. But anyways, if you want to know, you have to connect the space with the time, 
So if when you're going for, I give you a good example. You've, you you mm. have studied uh, the life of Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, right? And you read yes. about the Battle of Uhud. What happened on that battle? Seventy of, of yes. the Muslims were martyred. You know the whole thing. It, it's an amazing uh, part of history to read, but it's different when you're standing at Uhud Mountain and you are talking about that. You're and you seen, can see and the you planes. can see you, you're on you, the cliff. This is you standing where they were standing. And Rumi said, he said, if 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 you can't find the beloved, follow the footprint of the beloved. And when you stand mm. on their footprint in there, it's a different feeling. Those lessons come to life. Those memories come to life. They are no longer a history lesson. They are in the fabric of your being. And it will live with you for eternity. You can't get that out of your system. And this is why it's important. And this is why we travel. Why do people go to places? Why do we go uh, travel? Why do, you know, people, like the museum you built for the history of rap. And, and you know, why did people come to see right. that? Because when they see it, it's different than I, I heard a, ro- a song about Run, Run DMC, right? I never experienced right. it. But now I'm seeing who they were, what they did. And then it actually becomes meaningful from it goes right. from and a, you're like yeah. yo i'm really a part of this hip hop thing it, it's it's resonating it's, right it's, it's resonating not only that but you build respect for that person you build respect mm. for that because now you know one of the things that my teacher said very interesting he said seeing when when you know when you see when you look at these homes that never been destroyed for example the home of george washington right and they have all mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. the, you know some of the scholars and some of the kings and stuff from the past they mm-hmm. have their home intact so you can go take a museum tour you can go to malaysia you go to spain you all every country has that you know but when right. you go and you see how if those people were people of humility if those people were people of knowledge, if those people, if they had the virtuous act that is universally accepted by everyone and universally praised by everyone, then your respect for that person, even if you disagreed with them politically, right? Even if you disagreed with him right. from a knowledge perspective, from a religious perspective, from any perspective, you will have respect for this gentleman. Wow, he lived his life like this. It's deep. Props. Props for this man. You know, that's man. You, you know what's you know yeah. what's deep? Yeah. <laughs> when I, you know, a few episodes back, I, I went to uh I went to I went to Staten Island uh to be with Riza and uh, Shaolin Monk Xi'an Ming, and we taught at this place called Camp Tazo. And when you go through Staten Island and you see what Shaolin, you know, what they call Shaolin, when you see what Staten Island is like for yourself. And the car's going through the streets and you're seeing the buildings and you're seeing the people and you're seeing the corner stores. You totally understand what an amazing blessing and improbability the whole Wu-Tang Clan is. What they all overcame to come from Shaolin, to come from Staten Island and become this global icon, become these, 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 these men who guide people back to chess, back to martial arts, right? Back to knowledge itself. It's very powerful, man. Like when I got out of the car and I've been knowing RZA since like 2005. When I got out of the car, I had a whole new respect for him. Just because I saw what he overcame, you know. So I I deeply, um, 
Well, that that's what is you know. Really yeah, the person they have a poem. They say, "Shenidan kebuad monandididan." How could hearing ever be equivalent to seeing? Mm. Yeah, hearing is never equivalent to seeing. You know, this is what we that's have in, in Islamic tradition. We have three types of knowledge. We have what we call ilmul yaqeen, the knowledge, the certainty of. It's a certain knowledge. You read a book. That's the knowledge. You get the book, right? You understand. For example, I right. give you, I give you example. Uh, the museum you built, right, in Oakland. Let's mm-hmm. go back to the museum because mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant project you did. Um, thank so, you, thank you. Yeah, so the museum you built, I read about it, right, in an article. Right. I had the knowledge of the museum, right? I had the knowledge of the museum. I saw some photos in the, in the, in the, on the internet, right, that there's a museum, here you go, Adisa built it, right? People are coming, you can get, mm-hmm. go and see it. That's the knowledge, that's what we call ilm al That's knowledge. It's certain, it's true, and you have the facts, right? But then right. the next one is I take, get into my car, I come in, and I stand in front of the museum, and I see the ticket counter. I say, wow, this is the museum right here. This is the building. That's the ticket counter. People are in line. Right. That becomes aynul yaqeen. That becomes seeing knowledge, a knowledge that I can now see it. It's not just something that I read, it's in my mind. Now it's in, I can see it, I can witness this knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Then, and this is where Islamic spirituality comes in, tasawwuf, or what we call uh, uh, Sufism right. in English. Sufism, right. Then I get my ticket and I walk into the museum and I'm experiencing the museum. This is called haqqul yaqeen, experiential knowledge. Right. So now you have taken through from the first level to the second level to the third level of knowledge, which is experiential knowledge. And this is why when you go to these places and you see where Wu-Tang Clan came from and what they did, that's experiential knowledge. And that, my friend, is priceless. That is Mm. real knowledge. That is knowledge that would never leave you. You don't forget these things. You can memorize quotes. You can memorize poetry. You can memorize... You can forget them. But experiential knowledge, it, it's imprinted in your heart. And it never leaves. Right. It has nothing to do with your mind. It leaves the mind and it goes into the heart and it becomes part of your soul. And it's always there with you. Man. Now listen, listen. Yeah. See, it's crazy because, again, like, you know, the stuff that you break down to me, it always resonates. It always it always stays with me Um and I'm always grateful for it. I want to talk to you about some ideas that I've been coming across yeah. in 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 my Stoic studies. I've been yeah. studying uh, Stoic philosophy for about a year and a half now, maybe two years, and I found it to be very valuable. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like I've found some parallels in Stoic philosophy um, with my Islamic spirituality. Yeah. Right? And, and which, you know, a lot of people, like you say, call Sufism, you know, and, and I know you're not a fan of that term. Can you tell me why you're not a fan of the term Sufism? You know, the thing, because I know, I know you're not alone in that. I know you're not alone in that. Yeah. The thing is that, you know, we have a lot of what we call goofy Sufis out there um, that Mm -hmm. are just like, it's people of form and not meaning, you know? Mm. Sufism, they asked one of the great Sufis, they said, tell us about Sufism, about Tasawwuf, right? He said, there used to be a people outwardly disheveled, but inwardly intact and organized. Now there are people who are outwardly organized and beautiful, but inwardly disheveled. 
That's 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 fire. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. The reality of Tasawwuf and Sufism is that you become a person of meaning. And meaning is an inward reality. It's not an outward manifestation. Right? So that's why you can pass by a real Sufi and you won't recognize them. You won't give them the time of the day because you say, uh, who is this man? Right? He might be like a homeless on the streets of Oakland, but he might be a real Sufi. Hey, hey, <laughs> you just making me laugh because look, so <clears throat> um, over, over at Talif, right? Yeah. When it first opened up, I was the first jujitsu instructor. I ran a program for yeah. Heroes Martial Arts there. Yeah. Okay? So on this one particular day, um, I decided my instructor, uh, Gumby, Gumby Marcus, Alan Gumby Marcus of Heroes Martial Arts in San Jose, was going to come up and teach some of my guys with me, right? Yeah. So I also had a rapper named One Below and T Cash, and there was someone else. I don't remember. It was like three rappers, though. And then my students. So when Gumby pulls up, right, he's he's wearing like a hoodie. He's got some like surfer shorts on, you know, down to his knees. He's got some flip-flops on and a t-shirt. And he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And I was like, yo, these are my homies. And then he's like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, and they're like, hey, what's up? Da, da, da. So then he's a, Gumby's like, all right, I'm going to go back to my car real quick. So he goes back to his car and he gets his gi and he takes it out. And then my students come in and they they put their gis on. And then um, when he steps on the mat, I'm like, all right, guys, I got to go. And they look and they're like, so wait, where's, where's your jujitsu instructor? And I was like, that's him. And they see him tying his black belt. And they were like, oh, exactly. that's the guy who teaches you? Exactly. And I'm like, yeah. And he, they was like, oh, dude, I, I, I feel stupid, man. I, I should. I said, no, don't worry about it. He's a chill guy. Yeah. But it was funny because in that moment, yeah. there was um, a portion of the Tao Te Ching that um, like struck me because in the Tao, there's this one section that says something along the lines of like, you know, the master blends in and people don't even know that he is that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. was like, yo, that is how I know my master is a master. Yeah. Because when he comes in the ring, like, oh, he's a jujitsu instructor. You know, big muscles, tattoos, you know, all, you know what I'm saying? Like, all on the neck. No, bro, he just looks like a chill dude. Yeah. Because that's what a real master is. Yeah, in the traditional you know. Persian, in the traditional Persian Sufism, it says a real Sufi a real uh, Sufi is the one when he's there or if he's absent, he's not noticed. Mm. That's deep. Yeah. So tell me, on this thing between Stoicism and Islamic spirituality. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. One of the things, and 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 um, I am not a, a, a Stoic scholar, right? I'm new to this, okay? But I'm finding these, these, these connected concepts, and I want to just see what your perspective, what the Islamic perspectives of these ideals are. Because I believe I see patterns, but I'm not sure. The first you already spoke to, right? Which was remember death, right? In in the Stoic philosophies, they call it, the the phrase is memento mori, just remember death. And the point is that it's meant to keep you in a state of gratitude to the universe, the creator, right? And your personal relationships, right? Can you speak to this idea of why it is important to remember death? And well, what is yeah. it, what is that equivalent in, in the Islamic yeah. understanding? One of the things about uh, the, the, the only fact of life is that you will die. 
that's the only thing you can take it to the bank. Everything else is variant. Everything else is, oh, it might happen, it might not happen, right? I might get married, I might not get married. I might finish school, I might not finish school. I might read this book, I might not read this book. I might this. Everything is, you don't know. There's uncertainty about everything in life except one thing. Death is the only thing that every one of us are certain that we will die because the Quran says that every soul shall taste death. And it says at the mm. end, what remains is the face of thy Lord and nothing else would remain, right? Uh, so mm. in, in, in a chapter called the Merciful, Surah Al-Rahman, right? Uh, so uh, Powerful. Yeah, so the, the Quran is very clear about that, right? Uh, Mawlana Rumi said, he said that, uh, he said that he's you know we before we said we, we from the muslim perspective we look at death totally differently than any other tradition first of all we don't look at the death as something morbid as something you know this, this dark evil thing right that's going to come and take us over there's a beautiful story of one of the sufi saints a uh, spiritual master and and the angel of death came to him and he opened and he said, he said, who are you? He said, I'm the one who makes children orphan. I'm the one who makes the woman widows. I'm the destroyer of the homes. I, and then the, the, the Sufi master said, stop, stop. You're being too rough on yourself. Why don't you say you're the one who takes the lovers to the beloved? Mm. Now that is a different <laughs> way of looking at it, right? At, at death. Because it, it's an upgrade. In reality, it's an upgrade. And, and Rumi said, if we look at ourselves, we have been dying since creation started. He said, first God made us as stones, right? For what was made first? The stones, right? And the minerals. And he said, we died from being minerals, then we became plants. And then we died from being plants, then we became animals. Then we died from being animals, then we became human. He said, can't you see that every time we die, we get promotion? We go up a level? He said, isn't it time for us to die from being human beings so we can fly with the angels? Mm. And then he said, no. Let us, that's not a high goal. That's not a high goal. That's, that's, that's being with the angels, Rumi said. That's setting the bar too low, my friend. He said, let's die even from being an angel and become nothing. Because when you become nothing, you become everything. Mmm. Knowledge. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, now. Rumi's dropping it. Now. But I'm anyways, yeah. So <sighs> anyways, on death. So. Yes. I talk, I'll tell you one story about Attar because I know you love Attar and you read the Conference of the I Birds. do. Yeah, yeah, I know. So Attar Nishapuri. Attar is someone who sells, uh, it's like either a grocery store or a perfume store, right? Both of them are called Attar. Someone said Attar, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Attar, and we say Attar is perfume, right? But Attari is some, a place where they sell herbal and all that stuff as well. So he has a grocery store selling perfume and selling all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Ordinary man. Ordinary man, a merchant, a man came, an old man, a beggar came, and he said, give in the name of Allah, give in the name of God. And you know, you have all these people come, say, hey, bro, give me some. Traditionally, right. they always said, give in the name of God. You know, because once you say that, the person who's giving, they're going to give more because you mentioned give in the name of God, man. You know, be generous right. like God. So that's why right. in a Muslim country, they always say, give in the name of God. They don't say, hey, man, give, help me out. 
they're given the name of God. Right. So, yeah, God is, so there, there's, a, there's a whole psychology behind that, which we will leave aside. But anyways, he said to Atar, he said, give in the name of God. Atar looked at him and said, go get a job, man. Go learn some trade, you know? And then the man said, oh, I, I, I've mastered, I learned something. As a matter of fact, not only learned it, I've mastered it. And Atar looked at him laughing and said, what did you master? He said, I've mastered the art of dying. And Atar said, what do you mean you have mastered the art of dying? He said, I mastered it. I know how to die. And Atar said, how do you die? He said, this is how you die, my friend. He lied down. He put his index fingers up to the heaven, right? And this is, if you look at all of mm -hmm. the African slaves who were buried, uh, who were Muslim, they all have on their gravestone the, 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 the index finger up in the heaven. It's called the Shahada finger or the unity finger pointing towards mm -hmm. one God, right? Mm -hmm. he, he lied down and he put his finger to the heaven and he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah I bear witness that there is no God but God and Muhammad is his messenger and he died. Atar came out of the story and he was like, whoa, what happened here? This is the real awakening, my friend. You know, you have a whole generation, woke now generation, but this generation, this, right, is, right. this is a woke generation of the mind. This is a woke generation of the feelings. This is a woke generation of the senses of, the, of, 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 of what we can feel, taste, and, and emotions. This is not the awakening of the heart. The awakening of the heart is what Atar happened to Atar. He said from that day, he set on this path, and he said to himself, I want to know what this man knew. His entire wow. journey of life was to know what this poor darwish, this poor beggar have mastered. And he has written, I thought, 114 books, all of them a commentary on that one act of that man who died right in front of him. This is the real awakening. And that wasn't a, that, like, he's written so much. Yeah. Right? So much. It's unbelievable. It, I had never heard that story. I did not know that. And, and that's... Man. That's awakening. Okay. That's a real awakening about death. But here's 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 what we the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Muhammad peace be upon him, said. He said, "Akthiru dhikri hada man Do much remembrance of the destroyer of delights. You know, delight when we when we have sweets. You know, like you know, you have all right. these types of sweets. He said because death, like. Take, you know, it takes that taste away from you. Like you, you no longer have desire for the world. Like you don't want to be, you're not going to be a greedy person. You, even if you're the head of the corporation, you know, we have heads of corporation who are making billions of dollars and yet they don't, they refuse to give their employees insurance, right? Which costs right. them, would cost them what? Like a shoelace, like Ice T said, uh, what, what the teachers make nowadays, he said, it's shoelace money, my friend, for some of us rappers. He said, it's embarrassing what we give our teachers. Some people spend for shoelaces more than what, what a teacher makes in uh, teaching our children in school. For real. Yeah. For so, real. Shout out to Ice-T. Shout out to Ice-T right there. Yeah. But anyways, my point is that this, this man, uh, you know, that uh, when you remember death, it makes, it makes the world worthless to you. That doesn't mean you want to be poor. It, it, this is a misunderstanding. You could be the richest man on the planet, but the, the, the wealth is not in your heart, it's in your hand. 
That's the difference. Mm. You don't allow the wealth to go into your heart because once it goes in there, you become greedy. You will cut corners. You will oppress people. You will use that money to destroy other people. You will use money to destroy the planet Earth. But if it's in your hand, then you would use it for good. You will use it to build schools. Yeah, because yeah. you see it as a tool. I mean, let me as ask you tool. this question. Hmm. How many billionaires, athletes have we, multi, multi-millionaires and billionaires athletes, have we seen, me and you, in our lifetime? Many. Right. Has anyone done, has anyone did anything for two people? I've mentioned two people that have done good, like real good. One is Muhammad Ali, right? Right. He spent his entire right. wealth, his fame, his glory for his people, for his country, for, for humanity, Right. Yeah, and for, from our, for, yeah, a most amazing human being, you know, uh, of, of our age, like hands down, most amazing human being of our age. The second man for our modern time, for our, for our children to see a, a model, LeBron James. Has anybody done? Mm. Yeah. Uh, who? Somebody said, oh, he, he built a school for 400, the man is a billionaire, the school costs $450 million. I said, listen, show me another person who has spent $450 million on a school. For his people, for his hometown. Show me one more person. I want to see. Come on. Yeah. So real. Yeah. You got. You got to give. Deep. You got to look. Money is money. If you're a trillionaire, a dollar is a dollar, man. Money is money. Yeah. It's not like okay, it's it has real. no value anymore. If it had no value, they wouldn't. They wouldn't work for it. You know, Bill Gates goes right. to work at five a.m. every day. Why? Because money is money, my friend. You know. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter how much you have. It's it. still there. So it you know? makes what what the what the religion teach that. Remembrance of death puts things in perspective for you. First thing, the world becomes worthless and you become priceless. Mm, You become priceless, my friend. You appreciate yourself, your soul, your heart. Not the, you know, people are, you know, obsessed with their outward form now. It's, It's a selfie world. But people, they don't know who they are really deep down inside. You know, what we call the second and the third and the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh layer of the human being. Right? So, the second thing, you appreciate the things that are really worth it. You appreciate your, your family, your friends, your teachers, your students, your community. Things that are really, you know what, what am I doing with my life? You, you know that right. you have limited breath. Every time, you know, your chest is a chest. You know, like you have a chest that you put your treasure mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Your chest, that's mm-hmm. why it has, it's, it's, a, it's a double entendre, right? Your chest is a chest. Inside of that chest is a number of breaths you're going to be taking in your life. And they're all limited. And you're going to breathe those in. Once you breathe the last one in, you can't in- exhale. Once you exhale the last one out, you can't inhale. Because it's limited. Mm. So that puts life in perspective, that I have a limited time. And this is one of, one of the uh, thing, beautiful uh, poem in Persian. He said, he, said he, he was giving an advice. And he said, mm. He said, I'm not going to give you advice to go make profit and, and, and make money and wealth or go into a loss and, and just enjoy or whatever. I'm just telling you one thing. Whatever you're planning to do in your life, make it quick because your time is limited. Don't waste your life. And if you have mm. death in perspective, if death is in front of you, 
everything would be, you know, I got to do this. You have time. I want to finish this today. You know, Abdullah Ansari, the right. great Sufi master of the 5th century, he said, never put today's work for tomorrow. Never put today's work for tomorrow. Get it done today because you're not going to, you, unless you, you don't know. A, unless you can give a guarantee you're going to be here tomorrow and nobody can do that, right? So, That's but, but Rumi said, and I'll end the death talk on this poem of Rumi. Mm-mm-mm. He said a poem, a quatrain, and I recited in Persian, an original, and then translated. He said, Margagar Mardas Gu Nazde Manoi, Todarogushash Begiram Tang Tang, Man Azu Ombre Setonam Jovedon, Uzeman Dalke Setonat Rang Rang. He said, if, if death is a real man of chivalry, if death is a warrior, tell him to come and face me. Come face me. Because when I see him, I'm going to give him a big hug. Because <laughs> I'm going to give him a big hug because I'm going to take from death eternal life. What is it going to take from me? A few patched clothing, my friend. You can have all mm. my used clothing, but I'm going to take from you eternal life with my beloved. That's fantastic. Yeah. The, 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 the Stoics also have another concept, and it was so funny because um, I had come across uh, Sheikh Hamza, and I was in a very bad state, very bad, very depressed. And he sat and he spoke with me for some time. Um, over at Zaytuna College because I was I was not well. And um, he had to go and uh, he took off and I went, in, I went in and I taught my class, my jujitsu class. And then I, I, I didn't see him for some months. And I, I saw him again and um, we smiled when we saw each other, you know, what's up, how are you doing? And he's like, how are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm good. He's like, you better. You're better than the last time I saw you. I said, I'm much better. Because he would see I was smiling. I was in a great mood. You know what I mean? And he was like, you know, the Greeks have a saying, amor fati. And I said, love your fate. And we both laughed together. He's like, you see? You see how things change? You see how different you are right now? Yeah. And I was grateful, you know? You know? And so can you talk about this idea of loving your fate? Because I have to admit, the moment that he saw me, I was dark. Yeah. I was very unstable. I was very close to a lot of self-harming acts. And and my conversation with him, he shifted me. And then I was, I was, you know, he didn't know I was reading Stoic philosophy at the time, but then I came across a more fatty, you know, in my studies. And it was so amazing of all the things that he could have said to me in that moment. It was the lesson that I had learned through. Stoicism that he understood in Islam. Can you talk about that? Loving your faith. Yeah, mashallah. What, what, what would we do without Sheikh Hamza, man? Like, subhanAllah. Yeah, like this This is the one of the great blessings uh, of Allah for the, not just for the ummah of, of the Muslim, but for humanity, honestly, in this, in this age that we are living in. Uh, a voice of sanity uh, in a confusing time. May Allah protect him, may God protect him and preserve him and his family. And may he give us the opportunity mm-hmm. to benefit from him and his knowledge and his wisdom. Um, I mean, um, one of the things about loving your faith, uh, one of the great scholars, Syrian scholars, Sheikh Muhammad al-Yaqubi said about the Prophet. He said, to love the Prophet is to know him. If you know your faith, you will love your faith. 
If you don't know your faith, you won't love it. This is the reality of the mm. faith because the faith by its nature, right? By its nature, it's beautiful. By its nature, it's, the scent of faith is, 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 is so, the fragrance of faith, it brings life to your body, to your soul, to your heart, right? Uh, uh, Rumi said, and they said, how did you get to this level of ecstasy, of love of the faith? He said, He said, the first time I heard the story of faith, I became intoxicated. The first time mm. I heard the story of faith, my man, I became intoxicated. And that's what, that's what faith is. If you just study your faith, you will fall in love with it. You will love it because you can't live without it. It's impossible to live. And this is why, uh, Adisa, we have suicide is at the highest rate right now amongst communities that are becoming faithless. Because, mm. because God is hope. God is hope. Like if you don't have God, how do you deal with coronavirus? Like, how do you deal with this? How do you make sense out of this? How do you make sense of anything in this world that's happening right now? If you, if you don't have someone to lean on, we all need somebody to lean on, right? So, and, right. and the greatest leaning and to lean on the mercy of God, on the light of God, on, you know, that, that, that He is there. He is there. In Allah ma'ana. God is there with you wherever you are. He is the only one that doesn't abandon you. He is the only one. Look, you go through a tough time. Uh, it's hard to find people to be there for you. You, you become bankrupt. Yeah. You lose all your friends when you become bankrupt, right? When you got the money and you're rolling high, you got all these people everybody's around you. Every, everybody's trying to kick it. Yeah, exactly. But what, what happened? You know, a, a great story of, of our time would be MC Hammer. MC Hammer, he, you know, yeah, MC Hammer, you know, I, from from the Ringham time. I'm not talking about the the, the, the first album, right. right? Early, you know what I'm saying? Oh man, I'm aging myself. Ringham from the Ringham time. <laughs> yeah. If you from the Bay, if yeah. you from the Bay, that has real yeah. meaning. That has real meaning. Yeah, that was the real Hammer, right? When he came out with the first album and he was selling from the trunk of his car. I used to see him at the big old tire on Fremont Boulevard. I used to work at a grocery store across and he used to go and, and, and buy his tape for like, you know, $2 back in the days directly from him. <laughs> That's my dude. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to yeah. MC Hammer. Yeah. Shout out to MC wow. Hammer. But MC Hammer went, to, I mean, he broke barriers and boundaries. I mean, he didn't do it. There was a lot of people that actually paved the way for him before him like you know the history of rap what they had to go through in right. order for this when you can't touch this came out and it went number one on billboard it went number one everyone and every radio was playing it right he he went insane on mtv and he's he's on i mean super bowl whatever it is this mc hammer is there right <sighs> And then he became killing I mean, it. The man was, I mean, he bought that $8 million home on, in Fremont, which was unheard of in the history yeah. that there was a home for $8 million back then when homes were like $200,000, right? And yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then what happened? MC Hammer went broke because, you know, he had like thousands of, 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 boys and girls who wanted to hang around and party yeah. with him and all lost his money, taxes, this, that. Anyways, 
Uh, I saw him one day. I swear I saw him. Like, people were passing by, and nobody said, like, they didn't want to say hello to him because he was embarrassing to, to, you know, nobody would wear those pants that he was wearing, you know, right. Rainbow the... the, the right, right. It was, it was, yeah. it was past it was, the hype, it was, and, and now he's... Not only the past the hype, right. he was at the bottom of the bottom. And I went to him, and I saw him in a place. I went to him, gave him a hand, and I said, and I said, Hammer, we the people of Fremont, because I used to live in Fremont. I said, he was living in Fremont. I said, we the people of Fremont will never forget what you did, and we appreciate what you did. And be strong. And I said, and I told him, I said, this will pass too, my friend. And, you know, that, that was mm-hmm. my guy. I, I'm not friends with him. I, I saw him maybe like four times or five times in my life. And before right. and after, I, he, he never would remember me. But I did see him one time on a radio show that Sheikh Hamza had a radio program. And I was there with him for, uh, there was a, uh, uh, on uh, the Signs of End of Time at Y2K. It was 1999. And mm-hmm. Hammer then was a, a, a preacher for, you know, he was, he was a born again Christian, right? But anyways, uh, that's right. I remember yeah, he was yeah. he was he was at some church in yeah, like yeah. South Bay or something. Yeah, yeah. He was with Dick Burnell and all of them. But anyways, mm-hmm. that's another story. But the point is that uh, I don't know how we got to Hammer. But the point is that you have a high, and then you have a low, right? And in 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 and that's what it is. That's that's the nature of life. Uh, but what drove Hammer to religion was when he was at the lowest point of his life. Right. So people and you know don't. what's deep. Yeah. I just saw him a few months ago mm. at Cobiz, a place in Richmond. It's a new co-working station. Yeah. And he's doing great. But yeah. you know what? He has fantastic um humility yeah, in yeah, his yeah. now moment. And I'm yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even know him when he was super famous. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know him. He may not have had it, but I know that he has it now, and I know that if he didn't have Everything he went through, he wouldn't have what he has now. And he's got a lot of great leadership in the tech community. He's got a lot of great philanthropy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he does it with a state that's not reckless. You know what I mean? So it's unbelievable. Exactly. It, no, no. He, I mean, that's, that's what fate does to you, right? And real fate, you know, like people, they come and, and, and they, get, they need a dosage. It's, it's like medicine. For the to heal the wounded heart, that's what religion is. Religion is medicine for the wounded heart. It's an ointment of healing on the cut of your of your body that you put it in, and it it heals your body. But you have to really, uh, uh, you know, believe in it. And it's belief is at the essence of religion, right? And and a lot of the people, the gratitude for us. Uh, we were talking about you. The question was about gratitude and 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 uh, mm-hmm. gratitude is at the foundation of Islam. At the foundation of the religion is gratitude. That the Quran is very clear. It says, It's a formula in the Quran. If you're grateful for what I have blessed you with, then I will give you more to be grateful. It's a formula. If you're grateful, right. I'll give you more to be grateful. God has given you wealth. If you're grateful for that wealth, God will give you more wealth. Use it for good, God will give you more wealth. Be grateful, he will give you more wealth. If you're grateful for your health, who is grateful for their health? When we get up in the morning, do we say, thank you God for giving us good health? Right? People don't right. do that. And we get up, we can breathe, don't. we don't have any aches, we don't have any pains, we can, everything is working fine. But how does that, how does that all happen? Right? And Saadi, the great poet of Shiraz, he said, he said, we have to have gratitude for every blessing that God has given us. Now, listen to this. Man. I know you would appreciate this. And I know that the audience, mm. your audience mm. would appreciate it because you, you preach to the wise and to the intelligent and the, and the people who, 
who uh, who want to learn. And this is this is uh, this is these are these are the, the categories of great people of, of of civilization, right? He said, "You have to give gratitude, a shukr, to God for every blessing that He has given you." And he said, "Oh, my friend." And every breath that you take, when you inhale, it gives you life, right? If you don't inhale, you die. When you exhale, mm-hmm. it takes everything that is unnecessary in your body out so you can have good health. So inhale gives you life and exhale gives you good health. And this scientifically proven, Sadi said it uh, uh, 800 years ago. He mm-hmm. said, so now, oh, my friend... There are two blessings in every breath. And for every blessing, you need to give a gratitude. How are you going to do that? Mm. So this puts the person, what we call, it puts us in sujood, in prostration. Just to say, God, forgive me. I, he said, listen, there's no way. He's trying to put things in perspective, the blessings of God. Because the Quran says that if you try to enumerate the blessing of God, you will not be able to. You can sit count from now yeah, to eternity. Yeah, I already eternity. tried. It didn't work. It yeah, didn't it doesn't work. work. No, because it's, it's, it's God is infinite and his blessing to you are infinite. You know, it just keeps giving to you. So what Sadi said at that point, he said, oh, servant of God, the best thing is for you, there's no way you can be as grateful as the blessings that God has given you. Just be a humble servant and repent to God and ask for forgiveness. Just say, God, forgive me for, mm-hmm. you know, just, you show your gratitude to the degree that you can. What it, we, should, we should be grateful all the time, right? We should show gratitude. When you have a meal, you know, mm-hmm. we say, what do we say? Alhamdulillah, you know, praise be to God for the meal, right? Uh, the Christian, they make the, yes. the, the prayer before they start the meal, a beautiful thing to do. You know, blessed is the Lord who provided us this meal. These are the, you know, these mm-hmm. are good things. We have to do that. Those are part of our tradition. But at the end, you would say, you know what? Oh, God, forgive me. Because there's no way I can be grateful in the amount of blessing you have given me. So I seek your forgiveness. I make toba, right? Mm, mm. So deep, man. Now, one of the things that I wanted to run by you, because I know you're a fantastic historian and you have this bookstore, is I, I, have, I have read a little bit about how Greek philosophy came into Europe through the Moors and the Persians who uh, translated a lot of the early Greek literature and made it possible for the preservation of a lot of that work. How much do you know about that? Like how, yeah. can, can you talk to me about we, that? It's, you know, the, the Greek philosophy was part of uh, Islam from uh, early on. Uh, Raghab al-Isfahani, one of the great uh, uh, Muslim thinker, uh, philosopher, uh, scholar, uh, he, he actually wrote a book uh, uh, that is, basically um, took everything of, uh, of Aristotle's, uh, Socrates, um, so those mm-hmm. ideas, but he wrote it under his own name. And when we ask our teacher, why, why wouldn't he say that he, you know, he said because a lot of people would not accept it at that time. Uh, or why we have, we have a rich tradition. Why do we have to learn from Greeks, right? Uh, the, mm. the, so that's that's one of the reasons why. So if you look at Imam Ghazali, if you read Ghazali's work, you would see a lot of like, Socrates and and especially Aristotle's ideas 
in the in 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 his work, right? Because that's where they got uh, logic was was introduced right. into into the Muslim, but. Obviously, the Muslims, they, they got also logic from the Buddhists. And this is something that Sheikh Hamza talked about many years ago when he did a paper. How, Speak about that for a moment. Yeah. Speak about that Buddhist connection. Yeah. So, see, Afghanistan was the center of Buddhist learning. Right? This is where Rumi is born. born is, Rumi is born in Balkh, Afghanistan. Balkh is where that big giant statue of Buddha was. Is it still? Right. You know, there was big news when Taliban tried to like destroy it because they said it had that a form. That was so sad. Was just, that was so sad. Yeah, it was just, it, it was it was disrespect to 1,400 almost years of Islam in Afghanistan to all of those scholars that lived for those 1,400 years and said, this is okay to leave it here. And these people, these foolish people come and says, no, we're going to destroy it. You know, and, that was, and the, that was yeah. so that broke my heart yeah. as a Muslim. Yeah, that exactly. moment really broke my heart. And I felt very helpless. You know, it yeah, made me so angry and sad. Look, you know, they say in Persian, we say under every bowl, there's a smaller bowl. And then when you pick the other bowl, there's another smaller bowl. In other words, the reality of it, we don't know who these people are. Why do these people do this? Because there's no benefit for Islam when they do that. What benefit it brought At to all. Islam, right? So who are these people and what is their agenda and who's telling them? That's another politic talk for the next, for another time. Right, 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 but, right. Yeah, so we won't go into that. But Balkh was the center of learning before Islam. Right, so the the Buddhist center of one of the Buddhist center of learning in the world was Balkh. That's where they have those giant. Now they find another Buddha, another statue of Buddha bigger than that one in Balkh, lying under the ground. So they're trying what? to what? Yeah, it's just it's, oh, in, the, it's in the news that and they're trying to make amazing. that yeah, yeah. So they have built this amazing civilization there, and they had certain type of logic that the Muslim did not have access to it. So when the Buddhists became Muslim, they brought those logic into Islam, right? Mm. So I'll give you a few examples that we learned from our teacher. We didn't have, see, when the Christian used to debate Muslims, they used to say this. They used to say, either Jesus is God or he's a liar, right? Mm. And the Muslim would look and say, we can't say Jesus is a liar because we believe he's a prophet of God. That's, it's part of the creed of Islam to believe that Jesus is a prophet of God and he received revelation. We believe in the virgin birth uh, of Mary and we believe that Mary is one of the saintly women of, of, of humanity, of Islam. Uh, one of the, right. uh, one of, you know, like we believe in, in her as, as, as one of the five saintly women uh, uh, of Islam. Uh, we believe in Jesus as a prophet of God, as a, as a Messiah. We believe that he's going to come back. Uh, Jesus will come back. All of that with the similarity between the Christian and, and the Muslims is, is amazing, right? But mm. the, the, when the Christian would come and say, the Muslims were stuck. They were like, we can't say he's a, he's a liar because it would be, you know, it would take us out of our religion if you see Jesus is a liar, right? We have to, because the prophets don't lie. Right. And we can't see he's God because... He's not God. We don't believe he's God. We, be, we believe he's a prophet of God, right? So they were stuck right. with that. Then this concept, this logic was introduced of neither nor. That neither nor. He's neither that nor this. That wasn't there before. And this kind of like came into Islam and kind of like saved like the debates between the Christians mm. and the Muslims, like this concept of neither nor, didn't, I mean, this for us, it's it's kind of like, oh, that's 
because we have heard it all our lives. But imagine when this right. was introduced as a, as a form of logic. But anyways, these the 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 Buddhists they have helped Islam really massively uh, when they became Muslim. The Greeks, the Nicomachean ethics of of Aristotle uh, was translated into Arabic, uh, into Persian. You, in many of the uh, many of the scholars, they knew uh, they've learned uh, languages that the work of Aristotle and Socrates uh, and Plato were written in. They've learned, uh, mm. uh, the, you know, Roman, and because they, they wanted to read that, right? And this is why, if you if right. you look at Rumi, Rumi has a poem that every line ends with a Greek word. With a, and he, I'm like, how? Huh? Yeah, yeah, the entire poem and every line, it, it's a Farsi poem. The last word is Greek. The Farsi poem, the last word, and they all rhyme. And I'm like, he must know it fluently in order to use this, right? To do but, it, yeah. To, yeah in to order do to it. put it in a poem, you have to be it, it, very familiar. But very you have familiar. to be familiar with the language. So he, they read, and that's why Rumi said, He says, oh, you are my Socrates, and you are my Galen. Galen was the, it was 234 right. years or so before uh, BC, and he was, he was pre uh, pre-Aristotle and them, and he was what they call the Greek uh, uh, doctor, right? He is he is the first they call right. him the first doctor. He is the one. I think uh, he. I think if it's the, it may be the same one who 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 uh, who identified and described the Antonine Plague. I think that's him. So the the, uh, the Galen or uh, uh, or in Persian and Arabic they call Jolinus. He Rumi uses mm-hmm. in his poem. He says, "You are my jolly, you are my Galen, and you are my Socrates." Right? So he uses Socrates and them end end his book of poetry by name many times. Right? As not as putting something down as a as a people of wisdom as something that hey be like him. I want to be like him. And 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 this is so. This was very uh, very. As a matter of fact, I talked to my teacher. Uh, who was born and raised in Afghanistan. When I was studying here at the mm. Tuna College, I was auditing a class, and we were studying the Nicomachean mm. ethics of Aristotle because I study, most of my studies is in Persian and Farsi. So I went to him, and I said, let me ask him if he, and I didn't want to ask him because sometimes you don't want to ask your teacher something that you think right, they right, might right, not right. know. If they don't know, it's embarrassing, right? You don't want to put your teacher right. where he says, oh, I, I don't know, I know what you're talking about. So I said, listen, did you guys study any Greek stuff in Afghanistan because he studied like 60 years ago, right? In, in the traditional right. madrasa system, a school that you right. go and you sit on the ground and, you know, and he said, and he looked at me, he said, we did a few texts, like, what is your question? And I'm trying to translate the Nicomachean ethics into Farsi, right? And I can't translate, mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck? Because Nicomachean, what Nicomachean Ethics, uh, that was his son's name, right? Aristotle's sons. Because mm-hmm. he found mm-hmm. he found his father's notes after the death of Aristotle. And he published it. It was kind of like his, his sermons or his lecture notes, right? That he had. Right. So he turned it into, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful book to read, uh, uh, Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. It's worth reading. Uh, I mean, it's, these are some books that you read multiple times. Uh, in your life. Right, 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 yeah, right. It's not, it's not a one-time read. Uh, I think I got it after my third read, just a little bit of it, and I'm still, like, working on it. But anyways, the mm. point is that I asked him, and he said, in 1960, 1960, in Afghanistan, in the city of Herat in Afghanistan, can you imagine where, I mean, this is when, the, the, in 19, I think, 71 or something, 
they had a first car in the city. They didn't even have car there, right? Right. Like literally, right, right, it was right, right. there was no electricity. Like it was just like you know, people used to still use candles and and and, and lights from fire and this and that. Like it was just like you know what we use for camping now. So my mm. point is like this is like early '60s. He said, "Yes, I studied that a book called Akhlaq Nikumakhus Aristu with my father." I said, "Akhlaq," which means ethics and virtue and Nikumachus is Nikumachian and Aristotle, Aristotle. Mm. I'm like oh my god this is the text we're studying as they tune in now and <laughs> so that I asked him that is unbelievable and, and, and so this is and I told him how he said my father who was the head of the madrasa then he said he studied it with his teacher and he studied with his teacher and he taught it to me and to his students because this was very important work to learn uh, for our studies of, our, of religion of Islam so this has been wow. part of the tradition, even in places such as Afghanistan and Morocco and, and, and Baghdad and Iraq and, and, and all over the Muslim world. But the place that logic is still at the peak right now in the world, hands down, is Iran. Iran still uses logic in their schooling system at the university and their madrasa, and they use some of the great and some of the greatest. Uh, is uh, are now uh, in the history uh, is not just Aristotle, Socrates. Uh, you know, you're talking about Persians. I mean, these guys, right. like you know, they they just for the past you know thousand years, twelve, eleven, twelve hundred years, they just. I mean, I know that the 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 Germans amazing and the French, you got hands down to them, but the Persian they took it to another level because the Persian they had the Islamic spirituality, and they had uh, what we call mathematic or, or the, uh, you know, because they were all mathematicians too, like geniuses, right? Mm-hmm. Like Omar Khayyam mm-hmm. was a mathematician. Like he was a genius in math. So those things in logic is, if you have the mind of a mathematician and you're doing logic and you have a spirituality, this is, man, this is like, you, this is, make, it makes you a Khabib uh, in, 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 the, in the octagon, man. You can't, nobody can defeat you, you know. You be like Khabib yeah, coming in. Level. Yeah, that's another, another level. level. Yeah, like you can, you, can, you can punch, you can box, you can grapple, you can jujitsu, you can all that. And, and, and then you become, you just become, you know, the, the king of the ring. <sighs> Unbelievable. Man, thank you so much for being on Bishop Chronicles. I, 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 I have to have you back because... There's so much I want to talk to you about the Conference of the Birds. There's so much I want to talk to you about the work of, of, of Rumi. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of my favorite book on Rumi called The Essential Rumi uh, with the yeah, translation book, by yeah. Coleman Barks. And, and I'm, I'm touched by so much of his poetry in here. You know, there's, um, there's, there's this one. Um, it says... Uh, Watch the dust grains moving in the light near the window. Their dance is our dance. We rarely hear the inward music, but we are all dancing to it nevertheless. Directed by the one who teaches us, the pure joy of the sun, our music master. I just, that always, that always like makes me smile, man. Yeah, you know, much better, yeah. and when I look at humanity, it makes yeah. me smile. It's yeah. not like a personal joy; it's like yeah. a universal joy. But that's just one of 
so many poems in yeah. here. One yeah. of so much of his work. And, you know, I want to thank you for being, you know, for, for having Rumi Bookstore open for all these years and all of the people that you have given wisdom to through your bookstore and through days like this, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, and I appreciate, you know what I appreciate? How much you love hip hop. Because there are a lot of people who like, maybe, you know, uh, they used to be in hip hop or maybe they were in the streets or whatever. And then after they come to Islam, they don't know no hip hop. They downplay its impact. And I'm somebody who I know I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Public Enemy. I know I wouldn't have even yeah. been looking into philosophy if it wasn't for KRS-One. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Poor Righteous Teachers yeah. and some of these other guys. And so, you know, I, I really am thankful to you for... for um, no, no, I appreciate Your that, uh, Adisa. No. Well, the thing is that, you know, we, one of the things we talked about, uh, you, you, what you mentioned, is gratefulness, right? You have to be grateful for anything and anyone that helped you on, on this way to make you who you are. And we went through that era of, of, of rap music, and, and you know, it, it helps us understand uh, really the struggle of African Americans in this country. Like, you know, we, we learned it through that first and foremost, what, where they came from yeah. and, and, and what, what the struggle that they went through. And obviously, many people, with, with the mistake that they make, they say, oh, uh, some of these guys are trying to make money. You know, that's with everything in life. That's with religion. That's with music. Right. That's with sports. That's with anything. So you can't throw the baby with the bathwater and just say, you know what? I'm no, there are people who actually did this because they believe in, in the music. They believe that in their people. They believe that they can help people. Like, you know, people like yourself who have they helped. People like myself who, like, you know, we all benefited from them. You know, the, the you know, uh, we, we were just talking about what, how Rumi said, you know, whatever you, one of the great poets said, whatever you're doing, do it fast because your time is limited, right? You know, what did I, mm -hmm. when I was young, you know, our own uh, rapper from our backyard in Oakland, you know, too short, you know? Uh, you remember, yeah, yeah. you know, life is too short, which you agree, while I'm living my life, don't mess with me, you know? So, you know, whatever you do, you know, just just life is too short, you know, get on with your business, leave me alone, you know? Do whatever you got to do, Yeah. right? Uh, so these guys, yeah. you know, uh, but and they they showed, you know, like you know, uh, it's been a long time, baby, since I first got down, but I still keep making these funky sound, right? It it That's what I'm talking no, but but here's the, here's the point that he's making. It, it didn't come overnight, man. I've been working on it. You know, it, you know, too short. Eight years on the mic, and I'm not joking. Sir, too short. Come straight from Oakland, California. Straight from Oakland. Home, yeah, California. Home of the rock. Eight woofers in the trunk, beating down the block. <laughs> short dog. I'm that <laughs> rapping man. I said it before, and I say it again. Life is too short, right? But that's you know what I'm talking about. But there's a message in there. There's a deep message in there. That listen, it took time, but he, it. If Too Short was in Nebraska, you think he could have rapped? No. It was California, right. home of the rock. It, it, it raised him. It's West Side. It, it was where the, the birth of rap happened. And he had to be in the right place, in the right time, with the right people, right? In the community. Right. It raised him. And then the awareness came to him. And he brought those, that message to the young people to work, to, you know, listen, it's not going to be, don't waste your time buying lotteries. You know, I've been working eight years on this. Now you're seeing the fruit, 
but I've been working yeah. eight years on this, you know? Uh, and, yeah. and, 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 uh, anyways, but that's the thing. These people that uh, brought a message and when we were young, we learned something from them and we would always, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we have to be grateful to that. And, and, uh, yeah. and there was some bad stuff that we learned, but you know, that's, that's what makes you who you are. And then you grow and you learn and you leave the bad and you take the good. No, man. Thank you so much. Real quick. Um, where can people reach out to you on Instagram or, or yeah, I'm on, stuff, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Sure. Uh, uh, it's my name, F E R A I D double O N at seven, eight, uh, seven, eight, six. So that's my, uh, Excellent. my, my, yeah. and Rumi so, bookstore, right? Is it at Rumi yeah. bookstore? Uh, yeah. So, uh, if they want to send an email to Rumi bookstore, it's info at Rumi bookstore.com. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Have a fantastic and blessed day. Thank you for being on Bishop Chronicles and sharing all of this wisdom, and um, I, I know I'm going to get some good messages in the, in, the, in, the, in the DMs from this one, man. Appreciate you. No problem. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, and good luck, and, and continue the work, man. Don't ever give up, and keep smiling. I promise. I promise. All right, my brother. Teacher, what style is that?